You're listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode features Britt Devins, a native Colorado musician on a mission to make deeply honest music. When I arrived for the session, she was playing an acoustic guitar and there was such a welcoming, creative atmosphere in Britt's space. We spent the chilly spring day talking about mental health, the power of community, how sobriety can affect creation, and so much more. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast with Britt Devins. You are tuning in to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I am here today with Britt Devins. Hi. Hey, how's it going? It's great. I'm so happy to be here talking to you today. How was your week? What's going on in your life? What what have you been up to? Well, my week was great. My dad was in town. Um, We got to spend some good family time with my brother and my dad and my sister. Yesterday, I did finally wrap up my album with my producer and my violinist so that was really nice to end friday last night late doing that so it was a really good really good week it's been about a year and a half or like 13 14 months of doing that stuff so yeah really good feeling congratulations (sighs) thank you how do you feel about the finished project now from when you started it's been it's it's a kind of night and day thing it's not completely mixed and mastered but um, just from going from just laying down bass and drums and then to just vocals to then adding electric guitar and violin and, and me- starting to kind of mix a couple things here and there. It's it's just crazy. It's really coming together. Who have you been working with and what's been your schedule like going through the year? Is it a every other week thing? or It's been wild. It's been like six of us, seven of us actually trying to schedule in time We've taken the months off just because of people, you know, some of the music, they're musicians as well, and they have full-time jobs too. Um, so it's been all over the place. Nothing really set kind of when we have a chance to get together, you know, scheduling a couple hours here and there. So, yeah, it's been interesting to say the least. What's been your favorite addition to the work so far? What's something that surprised you about like, oh, I'm we added this in and I didn't hear it when I wrote the song, but now... I love. Yeah, I think um, honestly, it was probably last night doing harmonies with my violinist. That's something I've never, I've been very like, I feel like protective and possessive of some of my music before and and learning to kind of let go of that control and, and being okay with things being different, just not me and my guitar. It's really going to open up some, some really creative avenues. So that was, that was really cool last night to finish that up. And it's not even mixed or anything, but it just adds such depth. And I'm a big fan of hearing people sing together. So I think that's going to be something moving forward that we can really kind of start writing, right? Like focusing on different areas and just different words to just harmonize on. And yeah, so that was kind of cool. I didn't know that was really coming until last night. Exciting. Yes. So let's talk about where you started. So now you're working on harmonies. You're adding in all of these sounds. You're working with tons of musicians. You started just with a guitar. What was the process like from them to now? And what's that journey been like for you? I feel like I started just writing like poetry, right? Like when I was younger, I just loved to write. I I love to, I was like an athlete 
my entire childhood and I, I don't know if I was more excited to like play sports or like just know that for an hour drive to my games I got to listen to my discman you know and I think and write like that's just like what I did and so when I was around like 14 15 that age I picked up my dad's old Gibson he had in the garage and a good buddy of mine um, Nikki Whitworth he was learning how to like read guitar tabs and just playing some old Bob Marley and Jewel and you know, some simple little chord structures and, and guitar tablature. So from there, I, I don't know, I just kind of just started learning a little bit the basics of guitar. And then it wasn't until about like, I don't know, age 20, maybe 1920, where I was starting to write and put lyrics with chords. But that was kind of hard at first to do. I don't know, it's been a weird process, to be honest. I didn't really write. And then coming out, I think, opened up a lot of doors because I was afraid to write songs about like what I was truly feeling about because I wasn't out yet as a lesbian so that was weird for me to kind of pretend to play and not really be honest about what I wanted to sing about and so once that was okay and I was like accepted you know accepted among my family and friends it really made me comfortable to be like oh okay now I can kind of start really dabbling and seeing what this whole songwriting thing's about and I don't know I think I still just look at myself as like just like a writer I mean songwriting is so intricate and, and delicate sometimes I don't really consider myself that but I mean I'm writing songs so I guess like kind of am but it's 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 a weird process. I think the majority of the time I just feel more comfortable just like writing. I just like to write, you know, but now adding like different musicians and having different like arrangements and stuff, that's going to be the challenging part for me because coming up with bridges and different like key changes, those that doesn't come to me naturally. You know, I'm not like a taught, you know, musician. I kind of just picked it up and then it's like, oh, I can kind of sing and what was the moment that made you feel like I can come out now? This is I'm ready to to be who I am and and mm. damn the damn the torpedoes. Right. I think I was 19 and I was going back to college and I was seeing somebody in college and I had moved home for the summer and I just remember feeling like this huge amount of like guilt and just kind of like weird feeling like, geez, I'm hiding myself from everybody but myself. And I was really, really struggling with it. I was not okay. I was drinking a lot. I had a ton of anxiety. And I, I just made a promise to myself that before I went back to college that sophomore year that I was going to come out to my family and friends. And I think that just knowing that I can't go on like feel like feel like I was just like living this big joke, this big lie. And to me, I really like have a, a hard time with living with guilt and, and, and it just was eating me up. So I think that was the moment when I was like, hey, I'm just going to do this. If I don't do this, like, I don't know what else to I don't I can't see myself moving forward. It was kind of scary. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I, I grew up in a very in northern Colorado, kind of a little farm town. And, and it at times was just like, oh, God, you know, like they're never going to accept. No one's ever, you know, going to accept me. But I'm grateful to say and I'm so, so lucky to have just unconditional love and support so when I came out like people were like well, duh like <laughs> were you gonna like think you were kidding us or what uh, so it was it was very uh just so much pressure on your I was putting the pressure on myself just because of society and just because of you know that time it was you know a long time ago now almost 19 and so 14 years ago maybe I can't do math 35 19 to 35 yeah different it's crazy how much things have changed I was just talking with someone about their kid coming out and everything it was just no big deal and it was so I was 
so impressed and so excited for them because sure. same thing. Yeah. Even just 10 years ago, it was really difficult and, and you know, now still moments of difficulty, but for at sure. least there's more support systems and yeah, it is cool. It is cool to see high schoolers going to prom with the, yeah. the people they want to and, and being able to be themselves. And I'm just happy that the, you know, not all the world, but like when, you know, parts of the world in our country, we've, we've been able to kind of make that jump. It's, it's cool. I wish it was during my time, but can't have it all. (laughs) What was the journey to sobriety for you? So I'm also sober and I love on your website that that's really a big part of who you are as a performer, as an artist. What was that like and what ways has that pushed your music forward? Hmm. I think the sobriety piece to me nowadays, I mean, like it just is how I operate daily. I really try to put my recovery first. I, I wouldn't be able to be like doing anything that I'm doing right now if I wasn't, if I wasn't sober. I, I just truly know that, like not, not worrying every day about, you know, having to deal with like life on life's terms with substances to deal with anxiety and, and, and cope, you know, that that was my coping mechanism. Knowing that that is like not what I have to do it has been the biggest escape, just the best feeling in the world. And, and now I'm able to like play music and not have to, you know, be drunk or be smoking pot. And it's at first it was like, who am I without this? I didn't know how to really do anything at first because I feel like that's kind of who I just was from such a young age just it was just normal just like it is now right it's just like so romanticized and it's totally just like everything's kind of like yeah I mean and even musicians Mm -hmm. right or artists it's like well you need right to be messed up to be creative to access that yeah and I think I think that that was a reason why I stopped kind of playing for a minute is I was like I don't know I can't really write I'm not stoned I, I'm not feeling like I got a little fifth of whiskey at the piano right like how they they put it in the movies like that or just it just I did feel at first that there was really nothing I could do without it but I mean it was that was such a such a um, facade because once all of that was clear and I had some time under my belt it was when I really started to be able to find my voice because I listened back to things that I thought was really good when I was like drinking or I was high and 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 then sometimes I I can't even listen to it anymore because it just makes me like cringe I'm just like oh my gosh like there was a like filter over me and it was not a good filter right now I can hear like the honesty and the pure just like feeling of life in my music and, and that wasn't the case and I didn't know that that was going to happen I had I had honestly thought that I was just not going to play music anymore so it's been everything for me and, and I already win you know every day like just being able to play music again and being able to do what I'm doing I, I, I sit sometimes and just like soak in that gratitude like this is crazy I never thought I was going to be able to do this sober right like aware and like everybody's looking at you and 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 it's just I I also am able to like escape in those moments even being completely sober it's weird but like I don't know so yeah I could go on forever but that's been a big I feel like a door opener for me just being able to be honest yeah well that's the piece of thing why we're all creating this you know, to dig into what we're actually feeling and what we want to say. And it's so cool to be able to, I mean, honesty is such a scary place to access. 
most definitely. So it's amazing to be able to dive into that and mm-hmm. really tell your story and tell how you're feeling and connect with people. For sure. What challenges has that presented in the music world for you? And how do you navigate being in, I mean, really a society that doesn't necessarily put that sober movement first or for other people, maybe that's just not, you know, in their their path right now. And then that's cool. It just isn't for me. Honestly, I haven't, it's, it hasn't been a big deal. It hasn't, of course, you, you know, you're at shows or you go to see a show and then there's that drunk person, you know, making a scene, whatever those things happen. But I mean, truly for me, when I see that, I just try to like, you know, wish them the best and, you know, understand that everybody's going through stuff. You know, I've been there and I think that just knowing that maybe that's just like that person is okay. I don't know. You never know. But I think the one challenging thing that I've come across is sometimes just the feeling of like left out, right? Or just like, oh, okay, everybody's getting wild. And it's like eight and I'm like so tired. I Like it's time for me to go. <laughs> but I'm cool with like being the driver home. I've driven people home from my shows that I'm like, dude, let me take you home. Like it's cool. And, and to see them having a good time, like that's that's the best thing. Probably like one thing that's been challenging is they're just so envious that I'm gonna feel better than them in the morning. So they're mad at me. (laughs) No, it it hasn't really been a big issue. But um, if anybody's out there like kind of thinking about it, I would just say work on one day, just one day, like you don't have to look at, oh, I can't ever drink again. I just try to think about like, I'm just not gonna drink today. And it's not as overwhelming, like thinking like, oh, forever. It's cool that the scene is kind of also pushing towards like non-alcoholic, you know, beverages at bars and venues and so I think that's been really nice to watch that movement kind of evolve in the last couple years as the mental health you know conversation has been sparked after 2020 and it's been pretty rad to see that so excited to see where it goes me too yeah you too too. it's great I love the no plugging here I just love the liquid death (laughs) oh yeah is is my favorite bubbles Bubbles are great I'm addicted it's bad I really am, though. I like drink soda water like it's my job. Hey, I mean, stay hydrated out there. (laughs) What does self-care mean for you going through the pandemic? You know, it's crazy that it's, I mean, it's just always, I feel like, going to be a part of our conversation now moving forward. It's like the pandemic really changed a lot. How has that affected how you take care of yourself? How does that influence how you approach taking care of yourself and mental health today? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think for me, I went through a period like right before 2020 where I was getting off of an anxiety medication, a benzodiazepine. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a pretty tough drug class to get off of. And it took me a little bit to taper off of that. And so I kind of like started my like recovery off of that to be able to like function without my medication and dealing with panic disorder and anxiety for what me, what a time to try to do right? that. Right. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, I played my first show, getting back into doing things again. And then the shutdown happened. And I was like, what? But, like, medication for me, it was, it worked for so long. Mm-hmm. It was great. But then it just kind of stopped working for me. So I needed more. And so I kind of just made the decision, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to get off of this and, and see if I can try some other things to deal with my anxiety. So that was cool because it, it, I got off of it. It was a, it was pretty tough. And, it's okay if you're taking meds, like, and if it works for you, that's great for me. It just didn't work. And I'm, and I'm glad I took the jump to, to kind of like, see what else is there? What, how can I do this self-care regimen? Like, is it going to be meditating, mindfulness, CrossFit, taking baths? Like, so my self-care, like, it's just immeasurable now. And then 2020, like right into that, right? It right, it went right into 2020. And then I was like pulled from all the things I was tethered to. 
therapy, couldn't go and, you know, couldn't go to CrossFit, couldn't go to all these things. So I think really making sure to use my breath, just knowing that I'm breathing in and breathing out, like that awareness for me, I'm able to like ground myself in and recognize I'm not my thoughts. Because I know if you've ever experienced like intrusive thoughts or like, you know, just weird things that go in your head, like sometimes for me, I've just followed those and like attached emotions to them. And then before you know it, you're like freaking out. And it's it's really powerful when you realize we all have like thousands of thoughts a day and we're not those thoughts, like some crazy thoughts sometimes. And it's okay to just, you know, acknowledge it and hmm, that's kind of wild and, and then just let it you know, let it go. Um, but yeah, after, you know, during 2020, I think that it's so important that that, you know, conversation of self-care was sparked because uh, it's so important, just like our physical health, we all have mental health. And I try to make it, you know, a priority, even though sometimes I'm not all, you know, perfect about it. It's just being aware that what do I need? You know, I can tell if I'm tired and I'm getting anxious, it's because I'm doing too much or I'm not resting and not eating right. So yeah, I, I'm a big, big advocate for that that topic too. Speaking of balancing and doing too much, how do you navigate the balance of having a job while you create in your life? Like so many independent musicians out there, what works for you and what do you prioritize? Good question, because I'm still trying to figure that one out. I was I was listening to your episode with Claire Haywood the other day, and, and she brought up some good points about as we grow older and, and we need to kind of find a, a safe place for ourselves to live and having insurance is so crucial you know things like that I think for me that's my priority and that's where my full-time job really plays a huge part and so I, I do put a big emphasis on making sure like I get a good night's sleep because I have to be up super early for work and sometimes my job is pretty physically demanding and so you know unfortunately I can't like say yes to playing or going to gigs you know, on a Wednesday night out till midnight. And so I think that that's the biggest challenge I'm trying to like navigate through is like being able to not feel guilty for using my PTO if I need to take a day off after I play a gig and being able to like, you know, use those benefits to my advantage because that's what it's there for. But I'm somebody who feels like, you know, I need to be there for my crew every day and I need to be. And so that's going to be my big challenge this next year as we release this album is how can I like schedule, you know, feasible things where we do a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday run or a Thursday through Sunday little tour and, and be able to be back on to work on Monday, but, you know, utilizing my time and energy because you only have so many teaspoons, you know, in a day. And, and sometimes I just want to do everything. I feel like I have this really big case of FOMO, but I know when I start to do too much. I can tell and it's not good for like my girlfriend, my bandmate. So I have to be really cognizant of that or else that's when like my anxiety will kind of start to present itself as, as if I'm losing control of all those things that I should be able to manage. So if I, it's becoming unmanageable, then I have to really be like, okay, darn it, you're doing too much, you know. So so I don't know. I, it's a That's a question every day I ask myself is how can I do this? You know, I want to do this so bad, but... I find myself doing too much, you know, I'm just so I'm really trying to like find that balance and, and just put energy where it really is needed. And, and yeah, it's a it's a challenging one there. I know I'm always asking that question and looking for How some do you do golden. It? I mean, oh, gosh, I'm completely neurotic in the way that I schedule out my day, mm -hmm. you know, balancing 
hour by hour, what do I do? And really the same thing is prioritizing rest. Mm -hmm. And you know, what a lot of people find is like chasing the, the, what feels good. And I love that, you know, saying no to things that if I feel Mm -hmm. iffy about it, then I'll just have to say no. And And that's the hard thing, right? Like, why do we, at least for me, like I was talking to my violinist too, we like feel so bad saying no about to things. And it's like, oh my gosh, like, we're like not texting someone back. It's like, I just, oh, there's just a lot going on. I can't right now. And so I think it's important to just also understand maybe someone didn't write you back, like something else is going on and maybe they saw it and it's okay if you don't get a response right away. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I like that really seeing what do I say yes to? What? Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. Especially in an age of internet and phone and, you know, that's the beautiful thing of, of thinking about all oh, the seventies or romanticizing a time before technology was really, you could just say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. And then you didn't hear from people for, oh, I know I envy it. that sometimes. <laughs> like I'll just like delete Instagram from my phone for some time and it, it's, I'm able to like reset I find myself sometimes just like comparing and oh I don't have a gig tonight like oh this person's doing so much it's like you you just have to be really like honest with yourself like is that something you can do yeah (laughs) well and knowing that everybody's got a different path that they're on and opportunities will present themselves to you that are the right ones and the more you say no to the things that aren't for you and say yes to the things that are the more those doors open and it's so hard though that comparing I, I feel you is oh the the award season and you're right. like, oh you're looking mm-hmm. man, that would be nice. But That's I think crazy. the other thing is that a lot of success people don't realize the more success you have, the more is on your plate and the more things you have to do. And sometimes yeah, it's it's a lot. It's tough. How do you prepare for a live show? And you sometimes play solo, sometimes play with the band. Are there differences in those experiences for you? Uh, I think most definitely when, yes, you're playing with a full band. For me, that's something that is new. Like just in a year, I've only been doing that. Um, And it's, oh, I have so much, so much to work on. You know, like, I don't know, like if you play with a band or if you have, but you usually like solo stuff, right? Solo stuff. It's, it's terrifying (laughs) to me because I'm like you, I, I'm not a a trained musician or, Mm -hmm. you know, key changes Mm -hmm. and working on all that is, is really intimidating. Uh Um, but also so exhilarating and, and, you know, I've seen some of your videos and it just, it looks like so much fun and there's such a, a cool piece of that collaborative. Oh, it's incredible. And I, I like look forward to doing that and, and playing some more gigs with a full band. It's just, it's de- it's definitely challenging to get everybody, you know, how do we schedule a rehearsal? How do, you know, like for these upcoming, this, up, this upcoming album, I hope to have a, a couple full band shows, you know, finding the time and, 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 and making, you know, I want that the, the people who are playing with me to feel like their time is being, you know, compensated for because that that's a hard thing too like oh I'm coming in rehearsing for how many hours we're driving I mean this is it is a job and so that's one thing I'm I'm working on too is being able to make sure that the money I make when I'm playing solo and and duo with my violinist those that money goes into a fund that can just really focus on 
being utilized to pay people who are playing with me because I think, you know, like your employees are happy when they're getting right. Like if you want to take care of people, it doesn't, it's, it's, this is not just my art. You know, when, when I play with, with other people, they, they really bring my music alive. And I think that's where now I'm like almost addicted to that feeling of, oh, it's not just me anymore. Like I can sing the words and stuff, but like what really the crowd sees is this, uh, this chemistry that, you know, for the majority of some of these shows, we really, you know, we got together a couple of times. Some of these songs, these people are just playing, right? Because they're just so good and they can hear it. And we just feed off of each other, body language on the stage, um, communication just in little ways. But I really just put the trust in them because this is their expertise. And it's, it's really cool to be like, oh my gosh, guys, that was wild. We did not rehearse that, you know, but it's like, that's, I just really want to like allow the music to do its, its work and kind of like let that, but yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to just be able to be like, yo, keychain, you know, that's not me. It's, and it's probably never going to be. So that's a challenge too, that I'm grateful that the musicians I've surrounded myself with, they, they're able to understand what I'm trying to like portray. And sometimes I'm sure they're just like, oh my gosh, Brit, you know, but they get it. They do. And, and I'm also trying, you know, this next time around to, to really let go of the control. Like if I can't hear myself in the monitor, playing with a band, it is very hard. I'm not a projecting like Wah, singer. I'm just not. But if I can't hear myself, sometimes I get all in my head and I'm like, oh God, I'm getting all cranky. It's okay if I just learn to just trust like my muscle memory, right? Just like sing the song, like, you know how to sing and just trying to let go of everything being like perfect. You know, that's, I think a challenge that a lot of people might struggle with is like music is not going to be perfect. And my authenticity will kind of lose itself. If I try to be something I'm not, I just want to play music and just whatever happens, happens, you know, but in the moment sometimes. Yeah. That's the fun part of live is what's, what's going to happen, but it's, it's intimidating. It's very intimidating. How do you make those connections with musicians that you can rely on? And what's that community building process been like for you here in Colorado? Well, first off, I just want to say like the the Denver scene is, or the Colorado scene, it's just, it is so incredible. There's so much talent. It's wild. And I found a couple people that I play with, like my violinist, Emily Winter, we connected on Facebook music groups, right? Like there's some pretty, sometimes you're like, oh, wow, like this is kind of silly, but there are, you know, some people out there who are just trying to reach out and meet like-minded musicians. And that's where we met. And actually that's where everybody on, in my original band that was playing together this last year, we all met kind of on there or through each other. But open mics, I think if I can get out to some more open mics, for me, I think that's a great place to network. Um, and that and that is what I'd like to do more of moving forward is, you know, these little meetups. I've seen these little songwriting groups. Those are things that I want to challenge myself to do just to get out and go. I think the hardest part is tying your shoes. Just just get there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Talk about that's where all of my anxiety comes from is I know that as soon as I'm there, I'll have an right. amazing time and love it. For but sure. The idea of going right. is like I'm I know, sitting I'm like, oh, at I'm the already door. at home, like I'm good. I'll <laughs> just know, go I'm, next I, week. Yeah. It's, and it's that is the stuff that's gonna hold you back. And I know mm, that. Like yeah. I know that hundred percent for me. That's the biggest that's the biggest thing. Sometimes it's like if I'm having anxiety, it's it's probably like excitement, but just like yeah. Oh, my brain's telling me, you know, because I have the same feeling. But yeah. so I really try to push myself when I start to feel that, like, okay, 
you know more than ever it's the time you need Jump to get in. the hell out yeah. like go so yeah that's something yeah I hope to to really push myself to do next year this year what is your approach to being an independent artist and what you know you talked about playing solo and saving funds and you know making time for yourself what other challenges are there and you were just telling me before we started recording about tiny desk contests and things like that what how do you find avenues that you feel are going to push your music forward to to new audiences beyond playing live well i think that I learned a lot. A couple of years ago, I took Storm Glore's little, he's a professor at CU Denver. I took a class of his online. It was like a Facebook, you know, thing for however many Saturdays, a couple hours a day. And again, it's just, for me, it was community kind of hopping on there and hearing other musicians talk about how, because I was getting ready to release an EP, kind of just you know, hearing what, what is your approach and how is this process, how does it work for you and kind of like what is the process? I had no idea. I had no idea about press. I had no idea about making a brand, you know, like that stuff for me, finding really just like getting on Instagram and like looking up hashtag, like it's so out of my comfort zone, that stuff, like recording yourself and putting it on, you know, Instagram of the Tiny Desk concert. Like people have been telling me to do that for years and I'm just like, oh, cool. I'm just going to start doing things that make me feel weird uncomfortable you know because that's just the world we live in and so that's what I'm trying to do I'm just trying to network trying to get on bills with you know you know like-minded artists and, and people with the same vision and and maybe hoping to get on some good support bills at some of these little venues and I mean that's all it is it's just like you know you and I we met over Instagram that's how, that is what I have found is like the biggest just connectors the, the internet and, and open mics and just spreading the word and supporting each other yeah community that's community. how we get there yeah it really is i mean the the opposite of like isolation is community believe it or not <laughs> you are a colorado native mm -hmm. Heck which yeah. is amazing me too so it's kind of than you I mean, <laughs> I feel like you probably, you haven't left the state, right? I so have. I'm, oh, okay. I was in LA for a little bit. Oh, I was okay. in Phoenix yeah. for a little bit. But it always, not it calls you back. Years. Yeah, not calls you back. For sure. Yes, it did. What was the scene like, you know, or in maybe five, ten years ago? And how has it changed? And what are you seeing that is exciting? And what needs, do you think we could we could do more of for our artists here? Great question. I probably wouldn't be the one to answer that because mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I mean, I was like not here paying attention, right? I was a little bit before that drinking still, you know, mm -hmm. and just like was in the scene, but not really like in the scene. Like was, I feel like I was just like pretend in the scene, I like to say. Mm -hmm. Like I was like doing it, but I wasn't. I wasn't serious about it. I really, I really didn't care. It was just more of like, oh, you know, play some bar gigs on Wednesday night, get messed up and do it again. And then I left for a little bit, came back. And then just a couple of years ago, I really started to like take it serious and really like kind of delve back into it, re-emerge. But, you know, 10 years ago or however long I was in Fort Collins, coming back to Denver with a little bit of experience playing with bands in, you know, Phoenix and doing a little bit of stuff in LA. Then I was like, oh, okay, like 
you don't have to be in LA to do this, right? And that's what I think a lot of people think is like, you've got to go away from your little town. Like there's such a huge scene here in Denver. It's You could play different places every night of the week. But what can Colorado do better, I think? I personally believe just with like in the last couple of years that I've been doing it is promotion. I think that some of these venues who have, uh, you know, thousands of followers for the little bands, you know, or little artists like myself, I think that the promotion could just be amped up a little bit and that could, you know, that could see maybe more money in our pockets. I know that that's a topic of a lot of musicians and artists these days is it's, it's a little bit dehumanizing to be given, a, you know, a low amount of money for a five piece band when you're bringing service into that, you know, venue or, or whatever, a restaurant. And I'm not saying it's all of them. It's just a handful here and there, but it, that would be cool to see. And I think it is getting better, but I think that's because the artists are demanding that, you know, hey, like this is not just some side gig. Like some of, some of the best artists here in Colorado do this full time and this is their job and they take it very seriously. So to get a low blow hundred bucks for a three hour gig, that's like... What? You know what I mean? So I think that could uh, maybe, you know, promotion goes along with that. So maybe that could be something in the future that they could do. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, that's really why I'm so excited and happy to be working with Sonic Guild is because that's really at the forefront. I think you're absolutely right as, as you know, inflation goes up. Mm -hmm. I mean, our cost of living. I find myself a lot of times weirdly thinking about making choices, you know, buying things or, or even just food. Like that's, mm -hmm. you know, 25 bucks. It's like that's an hour of your life. And then you start, sure. it's such a tough place to be at that mm -hmm. like, wow, I, I can like barely afford right. to live being creative. Yeah, and then sure. let alone, I mean, you know, most jobs that's mm -hmm. 25 bucks an hour is no, that's still pretty good. Sure. So yeah, with, with Sonic Guild, I think that's what's been amazing to see is that, you know, like Veronica May and the people mm -hmm. we've talked to is their lives are changed by For the sure. money and it's, yeah. you know, it's sucks that money and creativity mm -hmm. go together, but it, you're right. It is a job and it has to, yeah, it has to support people. Sure. And if you want more music and you want more art, right. those people have to be able to, I mean, we have to be able to live and, and be safe and be yeah. mentally healthy and go to 100%. the doctor 100%. and, you know, pay our bandmates, exactly. like pay for gas. There's, I mean, being alive is an expensive venture. Right. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> Crazy. Oh, no, but I totally agree. I think, yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's really the biggest is, is just allocating, you know, venues allocating money and time mm -hmm. to give people the platform to stand on. For sure. I, I, I think that some people, like, what you think Veronica May is just rolling with that money down to Mexico every year. She may, like, yeah, she barely make yeah. it home and pay her, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, pay it's her tight. band members and gas and, and it just, and then a recording, you know, a single, however much, you know, just mixing, mastering the, you know, it's, I don't know if a lot of people know how, you know, how much it goes into those processes in the studio and then paying your studio musicians. If you really want a good piece of art, sometimes it does take money. You got to get an art or, or an artist to do your design. You know this. So you got to get someone to edit this. You got to get someone to update your, your website. And that's been eye-opening for me. I had no idea, right? I was like, oh, let's go make this 10-track album. Like budgeting has been a very, like on my forefront now. You just start to realize like, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't get that on Amazon because <laughs> that's an hour in the studio, you know? And, yeah. And it yeah. does. It goes, it goes quick, you know? 
It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. And it's it's like that level of, of turning pro. You know, you can you can make stuff, you know, in your room and put it out. But I mean, when you think about the money that goes behind, you know, Harry Styles or these uh, these artists that are out there, I mean, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars and and really a, a large another large community of people. And that's the thing is that you can't do this alone really on oh, a certain no, you, you know have you have yeah, to have people and support and, and that's the cool thing about like sonic guild and, and and even just little supporters you have i've got a couple of people who just have been so generous because they believe in my art and i'm like what why would you do that for me? yeah it's and an amazing feel, feeling to say wow you really sure yeah you believe in me yeah and, and that goes so so far 100 mm-hmm. you know so so colorado support your yeah, your musicians, your artists, your artists get out there. Do you have any advice to artists who are just starting out, who maybe want to make that next step into being professional or recording an album? Or I mean, there's so many steps, I guess, to really doing this full time. You know, For even sure. with a job, I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's still full time. I mean, it's, it's a, <laughs> the time is full, full time in your bar. brain because it doesn't ever go away. I would say I, I still consider myself just starting too, which some people might oh, that's no, you're not just starting, but but for somebody maybe just like just starting to like go to open mics and stuff. Well, first I would just say start go to open mic, go start going to open mics. You know, kind of just trust yourself and your art I think just let you know the music like I've said before let the music do its job and and really be open to like just meeting people and being uncomfortable um and and you don't have to listen to like everybody you know you can still do what you want to do really try to get into the community I think that's the biggest thing and that's something like I've said I need to get out more and I need to do that for myself but also for local artists too you know that's a that's a big deal when you're supporting other artists I mean like Veronica May you know Alicia Kraft those women for me just to see them share something on Instagram for me you know or just to run into them the feeling of man you know they're doing the same thing they get it That, that is a big deal so just be patient try to let go of the control or it'll eat you and you don't have to be the next Adele like you can do it here you can do it on logic you you know you can the there's so many avenues now to be able to be an artist like you don't have to sell a million records to like be a successful artist if you're just playing music you are an artist you're you don't have to go sell out a venue just go play go do your thing and trust yourself. That's really all I can say because I mean, time, time, time. Music just takes time, you know, building what you want. It just doesn't happen overnight. And yeah, just keep at it. Keep your head up. Because I know, you know, you question yourself all the time. You're like, this is a joke. Oh, this sucks. You know, like, don't listen to those things in your head. Just, I say that like it's easy. <laughs> just let, I don't know. Yeah, just, just keep doing it. Just create. Create. I love that. I think that's exactly right, you know, is. A lot of times if you if you think it sucks and you're questioning, you know, why am I doing this? Keep doing it because mm-hmm. it's there's something there and and that's, you know, that's funny enough. That's the biggest thing of right. being an artist is really questioning oh, every single know, day. Every, <laughs> I mean, you think like like everybody, I struggle so much with like insecurity and 
and not thinking I'm good enough and oh this is and like I know the some of the biggest artists were human like just because you're like like an artist it doesn't mean like it's just like comes to you like that like I always am like ask my girlfriend like oh is this terrible like what it sounds like the same crap I'm always sing, singing about blah, blah blah she's like Brit if like everybody could write songs they'd be writing songs like you know and I think that like kind of resonated with me like oh okay like I do kind of have this gift why don't I do we're all dying just like share it why don't I just like not give a f you know yeah. and but it is hard you know yeah good well stuff. thank you so much for your time congratulations again on your thank album you. yeah when can we look forward to it do you have a timeline uh, you know i window? don't i'm hoping hopefully in the fall i think that we're gonna hang on to it for a little bit get some vinyls pressed um just got the artwork back it's really coming together but my violinist will be on tour uh, with her band, Liver Down the River, kind of throughout the summer. And bu the busy time at work for me is the summer. So I don't want to, like, rush anything. Um, so, yeah, I would say probably, like, September, October. Fantastic. Well, we'll put links in our show notes so you can follow Brit Devins and her music and keep updated with live shows. And stay tuned for the upcoming album. Thank you, Lily. Thank you. Later. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. Check out the links in our show notes for updates on Britt Devon's upcoming album and live shows and to become a member of Sonic Guild Colorado.